Once again, you are welcome to Art of Shepherding Conference 2018. Thank you, your neighbor. Welcome him or her by you. Powerful. Hallelujah. Now, in this conference, I want you to put aside everything you know about shepherding. Open up your spirit and tell God that God feel me. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the hungry, he fill them with good things. And the rich, those who say they know everything, he sent them away empty. You shall not be sent away empty in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So we are here to learn about shepherding. Say shepherding. To learn how to carry sheep to learn how to gather sheep, to learn how to feed sheep, to learn how to lead sheep, to learn how to tender sheep, and everything about sheepology and shepherdology. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and also, understand that a shepherd smells of sheep. So you shall smell of sheep. This morning, God has given us a man who smells of sheep. Everywhere he goes, you smell sheep around him. When he's driving, you smell sheep. In the church, you smell sheep. In the consulting room, you smell sheep. In small meetings, you smell sheep. In conferences, you will smell sheep. Oh, this morning you shall smell of sheep. One day he was in a small conference, small meeting, and then he saw a young man. He said, no, get up. You don't look like a shepherd. You don't smell of sheep. You smell, your smell is like the smell of a boxer. So he asked someone to take him to put him on the weight. So they, 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 they put him on the scale. So they put him on the scale and then they realized that he was overweight. So they sent him to the hospital that go and check 1212. And when he came back, not knowing, a sickness was actually staring at him. I don't know what is wrong with you today. But this morning, from today up to Friday, any sickness spiritual sickness that is bothering you. I see the Lord taking it away through this shepherd that he has given to us. This morning, he is going to inject us with special medicines. Special doses of medicines that will make you a real shepherd that will make you smell of sheep. This man of God is actually a son of the prophet Bishop Doug Heward Mills. That should tell you something. Clap your hands for Jesus. A son of Bishop Doug Heward Mills should actually smell of sheep. That is why I am confident that you will smell of sheep today, you will smell of sheep on Wednesday, you will smell of sheep on Thursday, you smell of sheep on Friday and when you go out of this place you will continually smell of sheep. He is a sought after man of God 
He's gone to many conferences teaching about the ministry, teaching about the art of shepherding. And I believe that today your life will not be the same again. I want us to rise on our feet, believing that we shall leave this place smelling of sheep. And I want you to clap your hands, clap your hands, put your hands together, and let us welcome the man of God who is here to inject us so that we can smell of sheep. This is Bishop Edwin Morgan Ogo. Clap your hands for Jesus. If you can lift your two hands, I want you to please lift your two hands and ask the Lord to refresh you with this word and with his presence. Father, refresh me. Father, speak to me. Father, touch my life. Lead me, Lord. And let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. You may please be seated. Hallelujah. It's my joy. It's also my honor and privilege to welcome you to Art of Shepherding Conference 2018. And this morning, I want to assure you that the week ahead of us is going to be one of your most fulfilling and fruitful weeks as a servant of God and as a worker in the vineyard of God. And I want to thank God for the life of my father, my pastor, my prophet, Bishop Doug Ward Mills. Who gave me the, the privilege to host this conference. This conference is actually his conference. Amen. It is his conference. And I only have the privilege to stand here and share something with you. I have been given the, the honor and the privilege to speak to you on his behalf. So everything that comes for me will come as if it was coming from Bishop Dad Ward Mills. And we are 
talking about one of the giants of the world of ministry today. A man God has used to affect souls, churches, ministries on all the continents of this world. And I believe that this morning, you know, when Gehazi was speaking to Naaman, he did not know that Elisha was there. Elisha told him later on when he came back, he said, went not my spirit with thee. So sometimes when someone stands and speaks, he is not only surrounded by the Holy Spirit or angels, but also the spirit of the Father who is covering him is, is present. And so this morning, I have no doubt that the spirit of Bishop Dagwood Mills is here. And if you are seated here, no matter the type of ministry you have, big or small, you are going to move many levels high in the things of God. If you have a small church, expect that through this conference, your church will shoot forward into greatness and a powerful ministry. This is a man who some years ago had a little church in a classroom somewhere in Kolebu. A church of about some 12 or 10 people. Most of them were students. The keyboardist was a little boy from Ebenezer Secondary School. That is the church he was pastoring. During the week, when they had weekday services, they could not arrange themselves the way we have arranged ourselves. They were too few to be put into columns and rows. They had to sit in a circle, like a family meeting. That's how they sat for their weekday service. But today, that church of 12 members with a little boy as a keyboardist, that church has grown to over 3,000 churches. Not 3,000 members. Some of us are yet to see even 300 members. I'm talking about a church of a ministry with 3,000 churches in over 80 countries of the world. That is why I'm confident that your ministry, no matter how small, will also shoot forward. That the God of Bishop Dagwood Mills will also be your God. And if he is your God, expect a change in your story. I said, expect a change in your story. Can you lift up your right hand and say, my story will change. My story will change. Say, I am opening a new chapter in ministry. Say, today marks a new day in my life as a minister. Say I'm becoming great. I'm becoming great. I'm becoming mighty. I'm becoming mighty. I'm becoming strong. I'm becoming strong. In Jesus' name. Put your hands together for Jesus. 
What a blessing. You may be seated. What a blessing. So, these four days ahead of us are going to be awesome days. And I am not ministering alone. I'm ministering with four other sons of Bishop Dagwood Mills. You are in for a good time. Ideally, we should have charged gate fee because what is going to happen here this week will turn your life around. Will be the will be the most profitable investment you have ever made in your life. Wherever you are coming from, from Ashanti region, from Kaswa, from Central region, from Ashaiman, wherever you are coming from, I want to assure you that your journey to this place will be your best ever journey you have made as a minister. Yes, this investment will yield mighty and great dividends in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the flow of your river. We thank you for the advancements in our ministries. We thank you for the great power that is about to be released in our work as ministers. We thank you. We are lawyers. We are carpenters. Some are doctors. Some are accountants. Some are businessmen. Some are traders. Some are surveyors. But we see the ministry as the highest calling of our lives. And as we spend time this week in this conference, we are trusting and believing that our turn around shall come in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands for Jesus. This morning, please turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to talk about the journey to your prophetic destiny as a shepherd. Yes. It's a journey. And in this journey, I'm going to talk about who a shepherd is. What is a shepherd? But I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 1, 26. The King James Bible says, For ye see your calling, brethren. Are, are you there with me? How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and those things of the world and things which are and, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. This is King James. 
I want to read the New Living Translation. It says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all. Hmm. And use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. I'm reading the message translation. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life of ministry. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential. Not many from high society families. In other words, many of you are area boys and girls. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. Can you put your hands together for Jesus? So, I wanted to open the conference with this verse for you to understand who you are. For you to understand that God knows about you. That he is aware of your weaknesses. He is aware of your limitations. Is there anybody here who has limitations? I mean, you want to make a move, but something mm, it's, it, it doesn't allow you. Is that, is that, am I the only one here like that? Oh, okay, I'm encouraged. I'm not alone. I want to, I use this verse, these verses, to encourage you, those of you who look at yourselves and you ask yourself, where is my O-level certificate? Because you saw on television that an architect was a pastor and he had a nice ministry with blue lights. And you don't even have San Seven. <laughs> Do you know San Seven? <laughs> There's something called San Seven. <laughs> MSLC. <laughs> oh, the world has been good before. <laughs> I'm talking about shepherding. 
And I'm talking about the shepherd. Many times when you look at yourself, you see, most of us here, let's say if we are 1,000 here, over 800 of us or 900 of us are not mighty. Accept it and let's continue the conference. Few of us here are like this pastor who led worship and prayer. Please stand up. Yes. This man, his type, we don't, we don't have many of them here. He's a specialist gynecologist. Yes. Please, somebody has opened his mouth. Please, you, you close your mouth a little. Close a little. Yes. He's not just a medical doc- doctor. He's a specialist obstetrician and gynecologist trained in the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists in England. Some of you don't even have a passport. <laughs> I'm preaching. He says that when you look at yourself, not many of you are like this man who is noble, who is, who is mighty, who is powerful. If you are like him, stand up and let's compare. Bring your certificates and let him bring his certificates. <laughs> Few of us, even, even common university, three years, four years. Few of us have been to university. He has been to university for seven years. Then added Another seven years or six years. Some of you, when we add all your education, it doesn't add, it doesn't get to seven years. But I'm here to encourage you that 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 when when God is choosing a pastor, when God comes to the world to choose a pastor, he doesn't choose such people. I don't even know how he became a pastor because I don't know whether even God has called him. Because the people God calls are people without education. They are people who don't have any noble family. It's like their name, their names are not powerful. Like they are not Akufuado or Rollins or Chikata or Beho or uh, what Bedema. No, the people God calls are the Agbemeviada. And uh, uh, this type of people with wrong names. <laughs> nobody knows you. If you are here this morning and nobody knows you, you are the one God has called. Yes. If you are here today and you don't feel educated, you don't feel powerful, I am here today. I'm, look, you don't know where I'm coming from. God has sent me to tell you that the, 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 the type of pastor he uses is not this type. He doesn't call many architects. If you are here and you are a chartered accountant, you are welcome. But you are not the type of pastor God is looking for. He chooses the foolish things of the world. People who can't do much. People who can't achieve much. And he rather with his hand, he lifts them up. This conference marks the beginning 
of your lifting up in the name of Jesus. Sit down, sit down. Let's continue the conference. There are many pastors who are here who don't have any great ministries. Many. Most pastors here don't have great ministries. Many of us here have small, 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 small ministries. And the truth is that your small, small, small ministries are a reflection of who you are. You are actually a small, 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 small man. You are actually a small, 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 small woman. That is a reflection because, you see, God doesn't choose big people. As I'm talking to you today, you may not know, but I'm struggling as a pastor. I'm struggling to let my church grow. I was having a meeting yesterday, taking, making plans. Things are difficult. I'm not ministering to you as a pastor who has arrived and, and, and I've built an arrival hall and want you also to arrive. All of us are yet to arrive. Yes. We are all struggling. The real pastor, if you say you are a real man of God, you must have about 10,000 members. That's the smallest we are looking for. And we all don't have it. I'm struggling in my church. This church, these chairs are not my church. We, we rented them. Yeah, in my church, I use plastic chairs. Those, uh, please lift your chair. Yeah, that's what my chair. If you are a real man of God, you shouldn't have plastic chairs in your church. <laughs> so I'm not a real man of God. All of us have gathered here for the power of God to work on us. Nobody has arisen like I have arrived. No. We are all going somewhere. Yes. And I'm saying that before we can go on, accept the fact that you don't have much. Some of us only have got titles. Bishop and uh, uh, help me, you have the titles. What? Major prophet, right, reverend, apostle, whatever. I want to come to your church. Something very small, hiding in a corner somewhere, struggling to grow. But this conference marks the end of struggles for me and for you. If you believe it, clap your hands for Jesus. So, I have begun this conference with a diagnosis that we are all struggling not many of us are mighty if you drive your car around your area on Sunday you see churches small 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 churches somebody has 70 members when you ask him how many came to church, he said, oh, they were 350. Pastors don't even know how to count. 
to count. And we walk about with all types of fantasies. But you are going to have a good time in this conference. Not many are mighty. Not many are powerful. But, 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 go to verse 27. God, God's intention is that no matter what you are, he wants to use you to confound the wise and the powerful. That is, no matter how your ministry is, he wants to lift your ministry up to become so great that people, when they see you, they will wonder, how did this man, who doesn't have a lot of education, we know this man, he has been in this place for five years with 80 members. How come he suddenly has 1,000 members? How come his, 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 his members are flourishing? It is the work. That is the work. That is the journey we are going to. The, the, the journey we are on is the journey to be made somebody so powerful that when the wise people in the world see you, they'll be amazed. Now, the journey from nothing to something from small to great it's a very long journey you need to know how to travel that journey how to go on that journey many pastors don't know how to go on that journey that's why the art of shepherding conference is going to turn you into a great person at the end. A great shepherd at the end of the day. Turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Verse 15. It says, The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them because he knoweth not how to go to the city <laughs> the labor of the foolish this is one of the most powerful scriptures every minister must know anyone laboring in the kingdom of God because you see it is not enough to labor many shepherds many pastors many church workers are laboring but you see there is a type of labor that wearies everyone Some of us in our churches, our members are tired. Some of us, our members just come to church on Sunday to sympathize with us because if they don't come, the church will be empty. Yeah. 
Some of us who are pastors, we ourselves, we are weary. See, I'm talking about, about a type of work. A type of work that you can do the work, but you still are tired after doing that type of work. I'm going to show you that type, the, the type of work that wearies everyone. There are some pastors here today. Recently, I saw one of my pastors in one of the branches under me. I, I, I said, you are looking tired. You are looking tired. He has been a pastor for about 12 years. I said, you are looking tired. You are a young man. I said, I'm far older than you. When you see me, you may think I'm a, I'm a small boy. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm very old. I'm only handsome. That's why I look. <laughs> yes. I'm very old. This young man in his 40s, 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 he looks tired. Some of us here have got a tired look. Your look is a tired look. It's like the ministry has beaten you. Some of us have nowhere to go. If you, if you get a visa today, wallahi, you will run away from your church members. That's what the embassies have been bouncing in you all the time because God re- preserved you for art of shepherding conference. Yes. After this conference, you will not be tired again. Ministry will be exciting. I said ministry will be exciting. It's like the labor. So you see, somebody is laboring. He's working. He's doing some ministry work. You can see that he's not in his house watching television. He's not at the beach. He's working. But everybody is tired. He himself is tired. He is tired. Some of you, you yourself, you are tired. Your assistant pastor is tired. Your wife is tired. Look, if your wife gets you away, if she had the power, she would have gone to look for a job at Ghana Highways for you. Because she can see clearly that the ministry you are doing is not working. But if you go to Ghana Highways also, you don't have any certificates. This conference, eh? when you leave here on Friday, you would wish that we had extended it to, to, to three more weeks. For three more weeks. There is a labor. Now, the labor that leads to tiredness, that leads, you see, I did a little science. And I learned about forces. Forces. The summation of forces. That is, you can push with a force. You can push something. Like if it's a chair, you can use your hand and with force, push the chair. Now, there can be many forces acting on something. And if they are, if the forces are arranged well, like you are pushing a car, everybody is at the front of the car. You, you, you push the car to go. But can you imagine four are in front and four are at the back? Even though they are 
all pushing the car. The car is at the same place. So, so you, can, you can labor, you can force, and still remain at the same place and be just tired. You see, when you are doing something which doesn't work, it makes you very tired. Oh, you do, do you get the point I'm making? If you are doing something, if you are a pastor, you have been a pastor for 10 years, and your church, recently, a pastor around, he came to me with an offering to my office. He came to kneel down. He said, I've been here, I was in this area before you came here. And my church is not even up to 200 members. When you are counting your members in the thousands. So he said, pray for me. And guide me. And help me to also grow my church. I'm saying to the police, listen, I'm teaching you. You see, at this conference, the early morning sessions, I'm going to teach you clearly. You will know that something is entering you. I'm saying that merely working, merely pushing merely laboring will not yield to anything. It says the labor, not the sleep, not the play, not the hobby, the labor. Everybody here is laboring. But there's a type of labor that leads to tiredness. And that is the type of labor which does not yield any result. Imagine you are a businessman. You are working, but you are constantly losing. No profit. Your capital is dwindling. You will be tired. There is a type of labor that makes people tired. Now, this verse tells us the type of labor. It says, because... The reason why the pastor is tired, his wife is tired, his assistant is tired, the members are angry. Even I've heard that even your landlord wants to sack you from the hall and give the, the, the building to another person. Because even your landlord, who is not a Christian, can see that your church is not working. Now, the reason is it's like, because he knoweth not how to go to the city. The city is the destination of the pastor. We all begin in the village. And we move to the city. And the city is not Accra. The city is not London. The city is not Dusseldorf. The city is the place of greatness in ministry. You can be in a village and have a ministry which is a city ministry. 
he knoweth not how to go to the city. There is, there is a knowledge, a type of knowledge every pastor must have. The reason why your ministry is causing you to be tired, you don't know how to shepherd your flock, is that you don't have a certain kind of knowledge. Knowledge. Always, the difference between any two people is what they know. Always, it's what they know. It's not how their muscles are built, how short, how tall, or how cheap, or how ashanti, or how uh, fanti, or how frafra. It is all about what they know. Many of us, where you are in the ministry, you are there and you are stuck because there is no knowledge. He knoweth not how. The labor that leads to tiredness is the labor that is done without the requisite knowledge. And this afternoon, I'm going to come to that. Yes. I'm going to talk about pride. He knoweth not how. But in this conference, through the voice and the guidance of Bishop Dagwood Mills, we will get to the city. I said, you will get to the city. If your church is in Beu, your church is in Kukrentumi, your church is in uh, Agbogloshi, people will travel from Accra Central to come to your church and ask, how are you doing it? May your ministry be a tourist attraction. A tourist center. I'm talking about knowledge. Working with knowledge. In this conference, you are going to have knowledge. Knowledge. Jesus was never stuck. He advanced till the end. He advanced on the back of knowledge. He never stagnated. Jesus never came to a place where he was frustrated. No, 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 no. Even on the cross, knowledge made, allowed him to endure the cross. He rather said, Father, forgive them. They don't have knowledge of what they are doing. They don't know. What, but I know what is happening here. I know why this is happening here. May knowledge take you through any any junction forgive them knowledge 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 and it's unfortunate because what it takes to do ministry what it takes to be a shepherd what it takes to do this beautiful job Unfortunately, I'm, I'm sad to say that it is the same thing <laughs> that was required of some of us that we couldn't deliver because of which we couldn't pass our exams. If you couldn't go to school or you couldn't rise to a certain level of 
education. And you think you've run, you've escaped into the ministry. I want to tell you that the ministry, it requires knowledge. Yeah. So, so even if, if you were killing lizards in school, if you were not learning, now you must rearrange yourself and change your attitude towards knowledge. Because some people, by, 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 by their nature, they don't like learning. They don't like learning. One of my children was writing an exam to enter a school. Entrance exam. We took her, we bathed her, dressed her. Which class was it? Class 6. We had moved, had been transferred here. And I was far away around the Suman Mataheko area. So by coming here, I had to change schools. And my, my, my child had to write an exam to enter the school. Class 6 girl. Can you believe it in the examination room? My wife was, she went to get something around and she came to see if her daughter was, you know, writing the exam. When she looked into the window, she was sleeping. In the examination room, writing the exam, she was sleeping. She had to quickly tell the immediate, please, the girl, the girl wearing the blue dress, she's sleeping, wake her up. Something bad is happening. Some of you, instead of waking up to write the exam, you are sleeping. Some people don't like knowledge. Don't like knowledge. It's a type of person. Don't like knowledge. She slept. They woke her. I think she slept again. I don't even know how, what, how she, she, she managed to enter the school. I'm, very, I'm sure the headmistress just had pity on us. That this man is a pastor. He has been transferred. So let me just help you. This girl, this girl, this girl cannot pass any exam. She represents a type. There's a type. Some of us are here like that. You see, and we charismatics, this thing favors us. No knowledge, no love for knowledge favors the charismatic because we are into shouting and tongues and excitement. Like frogs. Only noise. Call the average charismatic Christian and ask her to quote three verses. Shelley. Noise. Shouting. But I'm here to inform you, the girl I talked about, who was sleeping behind the exam paper, my personal daughter from my loins, today, she's not sleeping anymore. She's in the medical school. Yeah. You don't know what it takes to go to medical school. Yes. 
since past eight days, seven ones. What I mean, my wife and I, we were surprised to see her change. We couldn't believe it. But you know how she changed? The school that the headmistress mercifully asked her to go to, to, to attend. When she went, she met some two girls called MFA and MNU. They're twins. Twins. MFA and MNU. It is those two girls. When she joined herself to them, we were in the house. We saw that our daughter comes home and she's learning. What? MNU had influenced her. Today, Bishop Dagi, what melts is your MNU and I am your MFA. Receive it now! After this conference, your wife will see you sitting on the toilet and reading a book. Yes. Because she has never seen you. You only sit in, uh, on the toilet and watch ants moving on the tiles and going up. Going up. She's in medical school. Yes. MFI is speaking. If you are, look, it's like he doesn't know how to go to the city. Ministry, the journey to the ministry is the journey from the village to the city. So some people followed Jesus and were hungry. And the disciples told Jesus that. Send them back to the village to find food. And Jesus said, never. Nobody follows me and goes back to the city, to the village. Because you are a city set on a hill. Your destination is a city set on a hill. You don't follow Jesus and go back to the village. Whatever represents a village ministry from this conference, it is backing down. It is crumbling. You are rising to see a city, a city, a city. Begin to clap your hands and pray and say, Lord, I want to arrive. Take me there. Through the ministry of Bishop Daguard Mills. Take me there. Take me there. Go pray. You don't deserve the village ministry. No. Pray. Lord, show me. Pray. Show me the way. Anybody here whose ministry is not shining, it's like you are the, a city on a hill. 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 Pastor, from the classroom, you are moving to a cathedral. 
I said you are moving to the cathedral. You will not remain here. You will not remain here. We are not here to shout. We are here to acquire knowledge. You may be seated. What? Somebody follows me and goes back to the village. The, the, in any, there are villages in France. I was, I was in the village in France recently. A village. Except that when you are from Africa and you go, you won't know that it's a village. Yes. Because there are roads. Tarred roads, nice houses. But it's a village. Every country has a village. And every country has a city. Your, your destination in ministry is not the village. You begin in the village. But you make the journey. I said you make the journey. I said you make the journey. Your journey will be a successful journey. I said you will arrive there. You will arrive there. You will not, you will not be hovering around the village. No. He said, for he knoweth not how to go to the city. In this conference, you will know. Some of you, you, you are in Accra, but your ministry is a village ministry. Oh yes. Nothing to show. Because you see, it takes a shepherd. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth. Some to honor and some to dishonor. Verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from this, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. The kingdom of God has got so many vessels. Vessels of gold, vessels of silver, vessels of wood. God's kingdom doesn't have only wood or only gold. There are many different types of vessels. Some of us here are gold. I just showed you one. This is gold. Some are silver. Some are wood. But when it comes to God using you, it doesn't matter whether you are gold or you are, you are silver. What is required is your ability to purge yourself. To rid yourself. 
to remove certain things from yourself. There are golden vessels that are not in use. And there are wooden vessels that are major tools in the hands of God. It's not about being gold. It's not about being silver. But it is about your ability to purge. There are habits you must purge yourself of. Everybody can make it to the city. You watch me. Give me some five years. You hear of me that I have arrived in the city. Yeah, a city ministry. You, you, you. Watch. Now, dear, we are around Kukren to me. We are moving, and I'm not the only one who will arrive. You will also arrive. Listen, God doesn't have respect for gold, for silver, for wood. He only respects. And he uses people, you see, to purge means that to, 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 to remove violently. You know, purgative? You know, oh, I can't hear you. Do you know, purgative? Yeah, you, you, you can't take purgative and after 30 minutes just be walking just nicely and you, you, are, you are going to visit your sister. Hey, I'm a housewife. Uh, please see me. Uh, I, I want to go to town to buy some. No, if you take purgative, your walking is like that. You are in a hurry. Fast, fast, fast. This conference will be the purgative of your life. I said this conference will remove things that must not be in a minister like you. Tell your neighbor, you deserve a city ministry. You deserve a city ministry. And you will get there. And you will get there. Put up that scripture again, 1015. You will know how to get there. I don't care. I've been a pastor for 10 years, 5 years, 11 years, 20 years. Look, your labor as a pastor makes everybody tired in the church. Yes, it wearies everyone. Your members are tired. You yourself, you are tired. Your wife is tired. Even your mother, you are her prayer topic in the village. That, oh, oh God. Let your said grow small. And the reason is that you don't know how. But today marks the beginning. You'll be like Jesus. You'll be like Jesus. You will have knowledge. Amen. Yes. And the first thing you need to understand is that even though I showed you somebody trained in England, obstetrician, gynecologist, these are not the people God called. Please, can I please can you please stand up? If God is choosing pastors on a normal day, He won't choose this one. But, 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 by the way, how did you become a pastor? I, I also wonder how. <laughs> <laughs> Please sit down before I pour water on you. <laughs> the people God chooses are the outcasts, the nobodies, the down and trodden. And watch it. When God chooses you as a nobody, as a down and trodden, as no one who doesn't know what to do, He doesn't leave you in that state. You see, you see, what you don't know is that you see, you don't know what it takes to confound a wise person. 
I'm saying you don't know what it takes to impress a noble. I mean, something that will let, like, uh, I, 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 I hear when, uh, was it Handel who wrote Hallelujah Chorus? Handel, yes. It was performed in, the, in, the, in, in Europe, and the king of England was there. King. Normally they say, kings don't stand up. When he, he began to sing Hallelujah Chorus, they had sung many classics. The king stood up. Do you know what it takes for King George the Fifth to stand up? From today, your ministry, it will cause professors to stand up. Presidents will stand up. Great men will stand up. The message I'm, 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 I'm giving you is that God chooses the useless. But he doesn't leave them useless. God chooses the nobodies. But he doesn't leave them to be nobodies. There is a journey to the city. And you are on that journey this week. Clap your hands for Jesus. Amen. What it takes to impress a noble. To confound the wise. I think there was a wedding at Anakazu recently. A very big wedding. And some, the, uh, President Rollins was there. Vice President Baumia was there. And other very important, very top top people. And now, among them was one person who was sitting somewhere, very, very, one of the millionaires. Top, 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 you know, statesman. But he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't use this part. I don't even know what he was looking for at the wedding. Maybe he was, his, his relative was a girl. But after the wedding, his comment was, if a church can do this, then I'm beginning to have respect for the church. And that man, I can't give you details. He's not an area boy. What it takes to let the person look in awe. I'm saying that you don't know what it takes to confound can I have another translation? Another word for confound. Sir, you went to school. What another word for confound? Confuse. To confuse. Yes. More translations. NASB. To puzzle. Don't you have other translations? Yes. To shame. To puzzle. What is it? Somebody is confounded. The person is bewildered. Do you know what it takes to confound the wise? It doesn't take nobodyism. It doesn't take smallness. It takes a certain level of ministry. If you are here and wise people, noble people, nobility, if you are here and great men and statesmen are not confounded by your ministry, then your journey is not complete. 
It's a village ministry. I remember one day, I was invited to a wedding. My church member was ma- a, a man was marrying a woman in a Methodist church somewhere in Medina. So, I went and when you see me, you may think I'm 48 years old or 35 years old. So, the pastor, you know, you, you feel how people treat you. You know. But he had to, he had to force me. He was forced to let me preach. Because that's the order. That's a, I don't think it's supposed to be the Methodist church. Another some church, not Methodist. I've forgotten the church. When I finished preaching, 15 minutes, he came to me and said, please leave where you are and come and sit on this side. Confounded, dumbfounded, stupefied. Then when we finished the wedding, I was standing with my church members who had come from this church. We were chatting. We were there. The vice president of Ghana at that time was at the wedding. I was standing at the corner on the tree chatting with my members. The vice president came. He walked to me. He walked to me and shook my hand and said, young man, that was very notable. This was, he said, that was a very notable sermon you preached. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. And he turned away. Yes. Yes. Vice president. May presidents come to your church and be amazed. May vice presidents be, be, be confounded. Receive the ministry that causes unbelievers to become believers. You can't be walking around as an area mulligan. Who knows you? Who knows your ministry? Who respects you? So people, pastors have to force and do certain things to compensate for the little they have to show by wearing nice suits. Silver lining shoes. But there's a ministry you have a even if you wear tie and die, presidents will stand up when you appear. This morning, eh, I'm, I'm trying to tell you that be encouraged that your ministry, where you came from, you will return to change that church where you came from. Something is going to be given to you that, that, that changes your, your, your ministry and changes your church. And it starts with purging. Purging. Remove some ideas. It's not about being gold or silver. Purge. Purge. Your church is suffering. You see, who is a shepherd? Please sit down now. Let me start teaching now. This was just an introduction. Let me start. Let me start the session well. Let me start. Yeah. What, what is what is a shepherd? Matthew 9. I want to show you. What brings the need for a shepherd into our discussion? Because you know that there are many vessels. There are many offices in the ministry, in the kingdom of God. There are many ministries. 
the ministry of the evangelist, the ministry of the teacher, the prophet, uh, the, the, the administrator, the helper, many offices, plenty, many. Now, now, how does the need for a shepherd come into the picture of ministry? Matthew 9, 36. Now, watch it. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted. One. And they were scattered abroad. Now, this is the first time in the New Testament. The first mention of the word shepherd in the New Testament is verse 36. As sheep having no shepherd. So, so the, the subject of a shepherd is introduced in a picture of confusion. Which is what most of our churches are suffering from. Confusion. Chaos. Our members are fainting. To faint I'm preaching now. Please, this, the conference has now started. So please wake up. This is the conference, not, not all the things I was saying. We've just started. Listen to me. To faint means to be without energy and strength. I'm, I'm, I'm making the case for a shepherd. The need for a shepherd. Not a prophet. Not an evangelist. They fainted. That is, the church members did not have energy. They were weak. As I'm preaching now, one of the ways you will know that I have fainted is when I stop standing, I fall down. The man has fainted. Carry him to the hospital. They had no energy. Our members don't have any energy for the things of God. They can sit down and watch four parts of a Nigerian movie. When they sit in church, 30 minutes into a, into a message, they are sleeping. They don't even have energy to arrive in the church. So we must use buses to bring them. It is rare to find a Christian brother that a sister will go into his room, remove her clothes, and begin to dance in front of him. And the brother will say, hey, I bind you. Stop it. No. Rather, he will kneel down and thank God for the opportunity of a lifetime. Father, Adia Meninda Swami Adia Meninda 
we are pastoring crooks. They come to church. They can't even sit down for two hours. But they can go to the office for ten hours. No energy to pray. But they have energy to travel to Dubai to watch Formula One sports. They have energy to go to a grass sports stadium. A match which starts at 2 o'clock or is it 4 or 3 o'clock. They are there at 9 a.m. sitting in the sun. But bring them to church for three hours. They cannot stand. They cannot sit. Fainted. Fainted. And they were scattered. Scattered means you cannot even bring them together. On Sunday, the people who come to your church are not the people who should have come to the church service. If 100 people came to your church service last Sunday, three day, two days ago, I tell you that about 500 should have come. But on Sunday, they are scattered. Some find their way to church. Some find their way to, 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 to Omutuo and Mota Guinness. Some find their way to the stadium. Some find their way to the church, uh, uh, to another church, another church. Some find their way to a prophet, whatever. Some find their way to, 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 to a stadium. Your, your, your members, your sheep are scattered. Why? What is the reason why our members don't have any strength? Why is it that when it comes to the things of God, they are weak? But when it comes to politics, when it comes to business, when it comes to fooling in the area, you should see your members, some of them are drinking bars around. Jesse's Port, those type of places, are, they are there. They are there. As you are having your all night. Why are they? Scattered. And the reason is either there is no shepherd, which is a possibility. Now, now, in this case, the problem was not that there was no shepherd. In this case, there was a shepherd. Here, in this case, there was a shepherd. I'll, I'll show you. But sometimes there's no shepherd. That the leader of the church, you see, a shepherd, this word, shepherd, those of you with good Bibles, which can give you Greek, uh, Greek translations, you realize that this word, shepherd, if you have a Strong's Bible and you tap it, you see that the meaning of the word, the Greek word for shepherd will come out. And that Greek word is poimen. P-O-I-M-E-N. Poimen. That is the Greek word for the word shepherd. It is the same word, Greek word, that is used for the word pastor in Ephesians 4.11. Put it up. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors. Now, this word, pastors, if you go there and you tap on it, or you check, the Greek word is the same poimen. So, a shepherd is a pastor. The art of shepherding 
is the art of pastoring a church. And there are churches which don't have any pastor. Pastor Osai Osu is a pastor. Reverend Kwame Lucy is a pastor. But in reality, there's no pastor because, because the pastor is actually a businessman. His mind, in fact, there's no pastor. That is when Jesus Christ introduces the word hirelings and foxes. A lot, a lot of churches are pastored by foxes. Ezekiel describes them. They eat the meat of the sheep. They fleece them. Foxes. 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 Hirelings. That is, you see him there, but he is there only for a salary. A hireling, like the way hire. Hire. That is, what the person is doing, he's doing it as an occupation. The ministry is not an occupation. I don't care what the seminary told you. Ministry is a calling. It's a calling. We don't do it for a salary. We do it because we are called. And there are churches. Some of us here, it is in this conference that you will become a pastor. But you are not a pastor. You don't have the heart of a pastor. You lack it. Or sometimes there is a pastor there. Like Pastor Oseyosu. He's a pastor there. He's a real pastor. But he doesn't know how to be a pastor. Now, now this is it. In this case of uh, 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 Matthew 9, what Jesus saw, these people who were scattered, they had a shepherd. But the picture was as if there was no shepherd. That's why Christ said, for they were scattered as sheep having no shepherd. It's, it's like the picture was just like sheep without a shepherd. But there was a shepherd. But not knowing what to do. What to do on Sunday morning. Why do you think the average pastor is home by 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The average pastor. It, it, it even gets worse if he's into Premier League. Yeah. Most pastors are at home. That, that's why, of course, I cannot embarrass you. I could ask. How many of you, you were at home three days ago by 4 o'clock, 4 p.m.? You were at home. If you are here like that, stand up. No, no, don't stand up. I'm, but I, I won't do that. I don't want to embarrass you. I, I mean, I could invoke some whatever, some cases that if you don't stand up, your, your testicles will swell or some whatever it is. But I won't say anything like that. I won't say anything. Like that. You know yourself. Last Sunday, today is Tuesday. Yesterday was Monday. On Sunday, four o'clock. Where were you? 6 p.m. On Sunday, yesterday, two days ago, 
I, I challenge you. Stand up and tell me. Were you in church at 6 o'clock? I've got pastors in Lighthouse. Pastors under me. 2 o'clock, they are in the house. I've just seen one here. If you are a real pastor, you will never be at home at 6 o'clock in the morning. In the, in the evening. Never. But I, I don't blame you. You don't know what you should do. That's why you are at home. If you know what to do, you'll be in the church. So one of the causes of this, this, this symptom of confusion, confusion, church members wishing somebody else was their pastor. If you like, ask the leader of your uh, uh, the leader of your new convert school. That is, if you have one. I, I went to a pastor's church. I was talking and I gave an example and I was asking him in, in a meeting. Asked, so, so who who takes care of the new converts on Sunday? What do you do with them? Do you teach them that day, or do you wait? On Monday to teach them. So, oh, I don't make any altar call. We don't do such things. There's nothing like convert in the church. If you know what to do, you won't be in your house at 6 p.m. on Sunday evening. You don't understand what I'm saying, but you will. I'm saying that the day you know what to do, the things, the different things a pastor can do on Sunday, because he knows that. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, his members are not available. They've gone to school, they've gone to work on Saturday, or they've gone even 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 on Sunday, because you're even going to school. Yeah. My daughter wrote a medical school exam, entrance exam on Sunday morning. So when you as a pastor you preach a good sermon, have a nice service, and by two o'clock, you've locked your door. You are at home. Listen to me. You don't know what you should do. But in this conference, I will tell you what you should do. I will tell you what you should do. So, so my dear friends, the picture I am painting this morning is that your ministry, your ministry can be great if you remove certain things, certain, certain strongholds, certain ways of doing things. If you can remove them from your mind and learn new things, learn new thing. There is nothing in your ministry that is supposed to keep you stagnant. Nothing should have the power to slow you. You didn't hear me. No situation. None. No situation should have the power to keep your church from growing. Including the situation of your church being in a place where nobody lives. It's not an issue. Where your church is situated, that's why the theme for this conference is the beautiful job. 
And I've broken down the job as feed, gather, carry, and lead. And I'm going, maybe this afternoon or tomorrow, I'm going to start taking you on the journey. By Friday, you'll be at the Trotro station. Arrival. Arrival hall. I said arrival hall. I'm saying, look, in your ministry, there should be no nothing. If your members are not growing spiritually, if you yourself are not growing, if your church, the numbers, the numbers, not the members, the numbers are not growing, nothing. If you are here and you are stagnant, the reason is that you don't know what to do. John 6. Verse 1. Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, verse 2. And a great multitude followed him because of the miracles he did. Verse 3. And he went to the mountain and sat with his disciples. 4. The feast of the Passover was 9. 5. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread? This is the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 people, men, besides women and children. Now, many of us, many of us, if we come to this place in our ministry, our ministry stops. Because you are in the desert. How can you feed 5,000? This is symbolic of the impossible situations seemingly I mean how 5,000 people how how and this represents the many complex problems difficult problems in fact the word is impossible situations we face impossible I mean imagine me even here here about 1,200 of us here now, this morning. If you ask me to feed all of you, and I need to feed you to move to my next phase of ministry, then it means that you are saying I should go home to my mother. I'll finish. I'll remove my cross and go home. I don't know where I'm going to find food to feed all of you. I have neither the money, the resources, or the time. And some of you, the type of food you eat, you alone, you, you represent ten people. One man, ten. Ben ten. Ben ten. It's impossible. Pastor, please stand up. Can you feed right now? If I say, feed them. I'm, I'm giving you, I want to just sit down a little, some 20 minutes. Please just feed them and uh, 20 minutes time, I, I, I'm coming. Please sort it out. Oh, please, you are wasting the time of the conference. Please feed them. Yeah. You see what he's doing? Please do it. Please. Many of you in the ministry, you are there. Like, spiritually, you are like that. Exactly. 
But not Jesus. <laughs> but not Jesus. Can you clap for Jesus? <laughs> not Jesus. Look at it. And this he said to prove him or to test him for he himself knew knowledge knew what he should do so he was cool and calm he knew what to do pastor if you will believe it i'll tell you you are where you are in the ministry stuck in the mud because you don't know what to do where you are somebody has been there and has moved on thank you pastor you are the leader of a home cell five members it cannot grow the members themselves are not growing spiritually you don't know what to do somebody has been at the same place and has done better than you and the difference is not because the person is from jamaica but the difference is that the person has knowledge of what it exact from from this conference eh, you you will learn exactly what you must do exactly what you must do now To help you to know what to do. We want to ask the question. So therefore. If that is the case. Then. Who is a shepherd? We have asked. We have answered. A shepherd is a pastor. In the same word. So anywhere you see shepherd. You see the Greek is poimen. Poimen. Pastor. A shepherd is a pastor. Oh, I wish I had even taught you 10 examples of bad shepherds. If I get the chance, I'll smuggle it in. Yes, yes. My bishop taught me 10 bad shepherds you must not be. I'll try and teach you. But before we go into bad shepherding, I want to ask ask one question to end the session. How or, or what is a shepherd? What is a pastor? Who, who, who is a pastor? Like, like if, if, if you... Uh, please stand up. Oh, please, um, I want to introduce Pastor Emmanuel to you. He's a pastor of our Begro Church. Begro uh, is Eastern region or which region? Yes, he's got 500 members in the background. This is Pastor Emmanuel. Please clap your hands for Pastor Emmanuel. Yeah. So, okay, then an, 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 an intelligent person will ask. So, so, so who is? He's, he's, a, he's a pastor of a church. Now, now, who is a pastor? What is a pastor? Who is a shepherd? What, what, is, what is a shepherd? If you say somebody is a pastor, 
Somebody is a shepherd. I mean, what does he do? What is the function of the of the shepherd? What what what, what does he exist to do? And by that, I'm about to teach you what you should do. What you should be. You will hear many definitions of a pastor. Who a pastor is. What, but today, I'm introducing one powerful thing a shepherd is. And that is a shepherd is a light. A light. If somebody says, Pastor Edwin Ogo is preaching, you should say, wow, is he a light? A pastor is a light. Goodness gracious. It is because your light is dim that is why you are frustrated as a shepherd. It is because your light is dim. That is why your church cannot advance. You are a light. You see, what you may not know is that one of the things God creates is he creates lights. Yes. Lights. Genesis tells us the beginning. You know the story. Genesis 1, 16. Beautiful. And God made two great lights. Shabakataya. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm I'm trying to control myself. I don't know how to come out of my skin. Pastor. Okay, I'm taking my time. Pastor. They say I should take my time. Pastor. You are a light. You are a light. Can you please tell three people around you that you are a light? Hey, 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 hey. Listen, 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 listen. The day, my God, the day you shine, eh? you see, the reason why your ministry is small, on Sunday, you are in a city with two million or so people, and only 28 people come to church. Three are sick. One is on his way to his, his grandmother. Six girls are in their period. Fourteen of them are angry with you because they, you don't preach well. Hey! The reason why your church is not advancing is that and nobody comes to you is that you are dim. 
you have no light to shine. You see, when you see a pastor like my pastor, Bishop Dagwood Mills, yes, who fills stadiums worldwide, large ministries everywhere, by the grace of God, of course. And you know, Philippians, Paul told the Philippians that church that, is it 1 7? 17 or so. Give me Philippians 1 7. Let me tell you. Is it, is, is it good news? Is, is it is, Philippians? And, 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 ah, that's it. It says, it says it, see, Paul was writing to some Christians. He says, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, in as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. All these are big, big, big words. Forget that. Some of you don't understand what I'm saying. But, 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 but. He said, ye all are partakers of my grace. So somebody can have a grace to be a pastor, to be a shepherd, to have a large ministry. Then you may not be that person, but you can become a partaker of the grace that is on someone. I prophesy to you that as you sit in this conference, you are becoming a partaker of the great grace that is on Bishop Dagwood Mills. Amen. What made him move from a little classroom to 80 countries? Something like that is coming upon you. Amen. Receive it now. I receive it. So, so please sit down. In, In the kingdom of God, certain people have got a certain graces. That's what you say. His grace, Bishop, this, his grace. There's a certain grace on him. Now, that grace is not confined. Hey, this afternoon eh, or tomorrow, I don't know when now. This afternoon, God willing, I'm going to move, I'm going to show you how people from afar can see your light. You see, you see Pastor, 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 let's, let's, let's cool down. I've been asked to calm down. So let's calm down as I end. That the size of your church and the type of Christians you have is a reflection of your brightness. A shepherd is a light. I can smell good food this week. I can smell good food. God makes lights. He wants you to be a great light. Your brightness. You see, Isaiah 60 says, arise and shine, thy light is come, verse 1. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, verse 2. Next verse, behold, there will be darkness, verse 3. Watch it. Unbelievers, the Gentiles, shall come to thy lights. And kings to the brightness of thy rising. That is, 
the proportion of their coming to you is directly related to your brightness and your luminosity. Directly. They shall come. They will come. Wherever you are, they will come. Once your light shines, they will come. And I'm going to show you. You see, but you see, before I show you, I want to let you know. First of all, you see, the people God used were all described as lights. And you are no exception. Jesus Christ was described as a light. Pastor Jesus. <laughs> John. Or let's, let's start from Matthew 4. Before we come to John. Matthew 4, 13. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali that it might be fulfilled which was spoken to Isaiah the prophet saying, the land of Zebulon, the land of Accra, the land of Dodoa, the land of Medina, the land of Adenta Baria, and of Naphtali, that is the land of, 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 of Malejo, or the land of Ashalebuche, whatever land you are on, there's a prophetic word. I told you, I came here to give you your prophetic word. He said, the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the unbelieving Gentiles. Verse 16, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. Receive your light. I receive it. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Ha ha ha. This is Jesus. John chapter 1. Watch it. Watch it. Verse 4. John 1 4. Watch it. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. I, I rest my case. Some of you, there's no life in you. You see, the life in you as a pastor represents the light that shines out. If your members don't feel life in you, you come to church. Today, my message I'm preaching is um, last week. What was I preaching? Zachariah. Eh, I was preaching Zachariah. Hey, wow. But today, the Lord has laid it on my heart to share with you about light. I went to an art of shepherding conference 
And the pastor taught us that a leader is a what? Can you please turn your Bibles and let us read John chapter 1. Emilia, verse 4. The Bible is saying that in him was life. In him was what? And the life, can you hear the powerful preaching? And the life was the light of man. Today, I myself don't understand. But God is saying to all of us here that he wants us all to shine. To do all. And before you can shine, it is very important that you know that Jesus is light. It is that light, say light, which shines and makes you. You remember, I've already told you Isaac, wake up. I'm preaching. Isaac, sit up. When a pastor is preaching, sit up. Now, I have already told you that a shepherd is a what? Many times, I myself, I wonder why I don't shine as light. But I'm understanding today that I must have life. And as you can tell, I'm preaching with life. Can you feel the life? My dear friend, your members are in darkness. But we, even, even the voice, you see how you speak. When you come and say, I came to talk to you today Jesus. about what a shepherd has to be. Yes. No, 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 no. If sit down, I want to preach today. Preach. I said, I feel like preaching today. Preach. That if you are a shepherd, yes. if you are a pastor, yes. you must understand that you are a light. Why are you a light? Because yes. God makes lights. Yes. If God made you, then the God who made the greater light yes. can also make you yes. into a greater light. Can I hear a shout? Yes. How do we know the people God used were lights? Jesus was light. John 1 verse 4. In him was life. And it was the light that was in Jesus That was the light of man Hallelujah. From today Emilia, Samuel, Nanayal God through his life Will put you up as a person Who shines as a great light Amen. Say I am a great light I am a great light yeah. 
Is it the same as? Is it? Do you understand what I was saying before? I said the shepherd is a wall. Your mouth like a light. My dear friends, sit down. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you. Listen. 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 The reason why you are not shining is that there's no life in you. Battery is dead. Your members don't feel power. They don't feel life. Many times my members, recently, a wife told me, said my husband did something at home. When I turned to address him, I heard your voice. I said, you will hear my voice. By all means, you hear my voice. Because a shepherd has life, and the life is the light of the church members. The people God used were light. Jesus was a light. Look at it. Verse 7, John 1, 7. Watch it. The same came for a witness. To bear witness of the light. That all men through him might believe. Verse 8. He was not that light. Talking about John. But was sent to bear witness of that light. A real pastor is a light. Look, if you are a shepherd... You must, and I'm going to show you today how to how to develop your light. How to develop your light. Even John the Baptist. In fact, Jesus, again, in John 9 verse 5, he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Your brightness must go beyond your church hall into the rooms of your members, into the offices of your members, into the canteens of your members. A real, Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am light. John the Baptist, John chapter 1, verse 8. He was not the light. (laughs) John the Baptist. And and I'll come back to this verse. John was not the light. But he was sent to bear witness of that light. Can you imagine he was not the light? Only bearing witness of the light. That when the light came, when the light, Jesus came, listen to what he said of the man that was, was, was described as not the light. John 5. Thirty five. Jesus speaking. He said in red. He said he was about go back, go back to 34. 33. Let's go back. I want to show you that we are talking about. Yeah. 
33. He said, Ye sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. But I received not testimony from man. But these things I say, that ye might be saved. 35. He was a burning and a shining light. And all of you were willing for a season. He didn't live long. But the short time he lived, you were all willing to rejoice in his light. Receive light as a pastor. That a man who is not the light. The light refers to him as a shining and a burning light. When the light shines, people who are not in the area where the light is, they feel the light. That's why I'm saying that. Even when your church is at a place where no, nobody stays, <laughs> where nobody stays, where Bishop Dark's church is, around Allied Oil. What's the name of the area? UPS. It's a school. Few people live in the area. It shares a wall with Trinity. Somebody's house, one man's house, and another one. And then there was a drinking bar which has closed down. No one, no one stays there. But last Sunday, there were over 6,000 people. Yes. 6,000 people. You can be at a place and your light can shine. You see, a shepherd, if you are a shepherd, you, people must feel your brightness. People must feel your brightness. You, there's nothing like brightening the corner where you are. A light outshines its immediate vicinity. And it's not only Jesus. Not only John the Baptist. Even David was described as a light. Oh yes. Second Samuel 21. Second Samuel 21. But Abishai Verse 17, the son of Zeruiah succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. And the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. Will your church members describe you? Will your home cell leaders, members, describe you as the light David was a light of Israel. You are not shining. Nobody knows you. You are an area boy. You are a local catechist. Local preacher. You must shine. This conference will give you light to shine. You must shine. You must shine. 
my shine. And it's not only David, not only John the Baptist, not only Jesus. You are also supposed to be a fire and a light. Sound. Even before we go to sound, let's just even come to Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1. Verse 7. And of the angels, he said, who maketh his angels spirits? Do you know God has angels? So he made the angels spirits. And he made his ministers a flame of fire. (laughs) No wonder Jesus said, you are the light. So a minister is a light and a fire. There should be no devil who should be able to live around you for five years. Five years they watch it. Two years. He makes let's sing that song. He's the light of the world. Every minister, every pastor must decide. Lift your right hand and say, I will shine as a light. Say, I am a minister. I must, I, I must, I must shine as a bright light. Say, I am a flame of fire. I am a flame of fire. Say, in this conference, in this conference, my light, my light will shine brighter. Will shine brighter. My fire, my fire will burn brighter. Will burn brighter. Say, I am living here. I am living here as a light. As a shepherd, as a shepherd, I must shine. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Sing it, my dear. Jesus by your side Just let him be your guide He's the one to hold on to You'll be the light of the world When darkness is all around You'll be your friend in time of trouble in time of need Ever wonder why You stand up in the sky For Jesus is just another step and song With his outstretched arm He will lead you through the night He promised 
the hold on strong. Oh, you be the light of the world when darkness is all around. You be a friend in time of trouble, in time of or no light at all lift your hands and say lord lord in this conference, in this conference make me make a greater light a greater light make me a greater light i want to shine i want to shine i want to shine pray it's a prayer pray pray i want to shine 
minutes I want to show you from chapter 51 of this book this book the art of shepherding this book must be lying coolly in your toilet yes toilet because most of us because of the carbohydrates we are long stay yes no, we are, we, our food is normally carbohydrates that's why we say even our food. How we call the food? Rice and sea. Yam and kotumbre. Banku and tilapia. Fufu and light soup. But somewhere else in Europe, they don't call the food with the carbohydrate first. It's oh, chicken with fries. Steak and this but we the carbo is the main one and when you're on the carbohydrate diet you don't spend two minutes there some of you have eaten banku so much that you are now a banker you will call you a banker you don't you don't have any banking certificate but you are a banker you must have this book in your toilet it must be in your bedroom look look you must be a major shepherd. So I want to show you quickly how to be a greater light. Because God made two types of lights. The greater light and the lesser light. We are going to receive Bishop in Tefal shortly. In a few minutes. But before he comes... Just listen, please don't clap too long because my time is up. The first, the first, number one. How many of you want to become greater lights? A greater light. A greater light. People will hear about you. People will see you. They will hear about you. They will know about you. They will know you. You will be great. You will influence people. Because of you, your members will find their way. A light helps people to find their way. And I can't wait for my... Either this afternoon or tomorrow, I'm going to start talking about the beautiful job. Number one. Obedience. Obedience will make you a greater light. (laughs) Exodus 19 verse 5. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, 
Then shall ye be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. Above. You see, a greater light is something that shines very bright like the sun by day. Above all. You are no more somebody who is not known. But he said, if you will obey my voice, obey. Many pastors don't obey God. God speaks to them. In this conference, you are going to receive knowledge. Decide that you will be obedient. The people who become great are those who obey, obey, obey. Many of you, as you are sitting here already, God is showing you things to do. Since you've been here this morning, there are things God has spoken to you to do. There are pastors, God spoke to them to come here. They are not here because they are disobedient. Some of the most stubborn people are pastors. Stubborn. Number two. Look, look, look. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I want you to please write this down. On, before number two, please write this down. I am determined to obey every prompting. I am determined to obey. Every prompting, every instruction, add instruction. That comes to me from God's servants in this conference. Write it in English. Don't change it to French. I'm determined to obey and to follow every prompting, every instruction that comes to me from God's servants in this conference. Obey it. Don't think you know. Don't think you know. You know, can I tell you something? If you know, eh, if you know, you will not be the only one who will say you know. Yes. Everybody will know that you will know. Number two, if you know the ministry you have will speak the ministry, the church, what, what God has given you. There are some people they don't speak up. Their ministry speaks. Yes. It's because of Bishop Dagwood, ministry we have gathered here. You, if you like, organize a conference next week 
and, and see if a huge hall like this will be filled with people downstairs and upstairs in the morning working day morning first day normally first day it is one third attendance normally have one third and as we go on afternoon the following day we come it builds up by thursday evening it's it has peaked then friday more people come and so on monday morning Don't use words. We are not talking about candlelight. We are talking about a greater light. Like the sun. And you will not believe it. It begins with being obedient. 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 Some of the highest people in the ministry with the highest anointings are the most stubborn. Why do you think God will come to a, a major prophet like Saul, a major king, sorry, like Saul, and tell them to obey? To obey is better. In my church, I've got pastors who don't obey. Look, I wish I had a means of drawing graphs. I can show you the direct correlation between pastors who obey instructions and the type of churches they have. There are many things I can say. I leave you yourself to judge. If you are intelligent. You see, pastors who have sat by, have got pastors who have been in a church for four years with 14 members. Me, me, my church. I've got churches here. Pastors. Some of us sitting here, you you, you may not be in lighthouse or mega church. You may may be whatever, assemblies of God or uh, uh, pilgrims holiness or uh, apostles revelation. I don't know where you are coming from, but you are a stubborn pastor. Even an angel cannot, cannot wake you up to pray. Actually, the next point is humility. Humility. The next point is I'm talking about how to be a great light. A greater light, sorry. God made the lesser and the greater. And if God made the greater light, you can also be greater. You can't be small forever. But your stubbornness Big. We make ourselves big. Matthew 23 verse 12. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And when God lifts you up, you become the most powerful thing in town. see pastors who they don't have anything they don't have anything you should see the attitude 
as we were having this conference, we, uh, uh, my, my uh, people will call uh, Who are you? Who, who called me? Who gave you my number? Which number? You are even lucky that somebody under me will call a, uh, uh, a type of pastor like you. What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? It's not everything we say. I can't stand there and say things. I'll be a fool to talk that way. But you yourself, watch and compare. See, what do, what do you have? We came to your church. Nothing is there. Nothing. You've done ministry 20 years. Nothing to show. You've got to take a loan to buy a car. I should cool down here. All right. One of the things we need, everybody here, cool down. Cool down. You don't have anything. Your church members are stolen members. Your singer, where is she from? The keyboardist, where is he from? You've used lies to collect what, and even that one still is nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. Arrogance. Arrogance. Some of you are sitting here, you've cut off every link with the father who gave birth to you. Your mother from whose vagina you came. You've cut her off. And you walk about lifting yourself big. I met a pastor recently. Somewhere, I've forgotten where, somewhere, he came to me, he, he, he brought me a book, a book he had written, beautiful book, and I asked him, so uh, this book, uh, who launched this, oh, my, 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 my father in America, meanwhile this pastor has a father in Ghana. Listen, listen. From here, you can choose to be perpetually small. I'm showing you. Look, I read Bible. The people, eh, the people who are. Can you look at me carefully? As I'm standing here, having a conference like this, I'm not a founder. I'm not a founder. I'm a branch pastor. Please note it carefully. In case, well, I don't know who who invited you, but I'm not a founder. I've not founded anything. I'm a brand pastor. I've been under my pastor for 26 years. Stayed in the same place. Help. This, this, this conference. He told me. I cannot, I can't of my own organize a conference like this. Say, organize it, Dr. Go. Organize it. Call. Come. Go. Sit here. Move. We are going. Yes, come. Yes, come. We are moving. This, that, that. But you, nobody can call you. So you have arranged yourself now. You see now how you are. You are by your arrangements. You are now a big man under nobody. Yeah. By 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 how you arrange the things, you are a big man now under nobody. Nobody calls you. Nobody can say come. Nobody can say sit down. Nobody can say go. But me right now, a text message. I will drop my my microphone right now and move. Yeah. That's why God can lift me up to have the conference like this in front of you. It's not about gold. Though. 
I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not a chartered accountant. I'm not a lawyer. Because God doesn't care whether you are gold. Doesn't care whether you are wood. If only you are ready to purge, to go, to sit on the toilet, remove your clothes, sit on the toilet, and, and aggressively poop out your pride. You are too proud. proud and a lot of us the pride is due to a psychiatric condition called megalomania yeah your mind your mind you you you, you, you check schizophrenia madness there are people today go on, on, on see it, it's it's sad i can't I, I don't like to use sicknesses to you know but there are people in the mental hospital today. If you go and talk to him, he'll tell you that he's Bill Clinton. He'll tell you he's Obama. But you and I know that he's not Obama. And he's not, he's not telling you a lie. He genuinely believes, in fact, he, he tells you that it is because he's a great man that he has been arrested and put behind bars. So the hospital he's in is a jail. He's Obama. And he, he will bring up papers. They write a lot. Conspiracies and communications between uh, FBI in America and Ghana BNI CID. A, a letter Kufour wrote, and then uh, Akufuado came to continue the letter, and all this are here. He will pull the papers and show you. And so it is all hatred. Uh, that's why I'm here. Madness! Some of you sitting here, you are mad. You are a madman. If you like, don't come here again. If you want to heal yourself, eh, forget about what you think you are and come to me. I will diagnose you. I will tell you who you are. And when I tell you, believe my report. Watch me. Look, I'm telling you. I was in uh, Bulawayo. Having a conference by me was a founder of a huge ministry in Australia. Huge ministry with uh, uh, the, the islands, Papua New Guinea. Under one, a founder of a huge ministry in South Africa, Bishop Mr. Sono. Big. Big, big. They are my fathers. And me sitting there. We were three. The small boy sitting there. And when I was introduced, I told them, please. Yes, we thank God for the hand clap and so on and all that and so on. Because when Bishop Musasono was preaching, he would use me as an example. Bishop Ogo, this, that, that. I told that, don't, don't make a mistake. Bishop Musasono is not my classmate. He's my father's friend. And I told them, these are founders of ministries. Founders with large, fat ministries. I, I am a brand pastor. This church... This church is a branch. Our headquarters is, uh, I don't even know where it is. <laughs> I don't know which one is the headquarters. Yeah. This is a branch. Tell your neighbor, you are sitting in a branch of a church. 
and tell them the pastor who is preaching, the man who is shouting, is a branch pastor. Let's clap for him. My dear friends, I will continue. God will in the afternoon. Yeah. Powerful points that are here. Please, please. I, I told you yesterday, I was with my pastor. I feel sad when I think of the, the, the attendance, my church attendance last Sunday. It breaks my heart. And I was sitting with him. How? What, what should we do? Which move should we make? He said, after the conference, let's have a meeting. I said, we'll have a meeting. I said, I'll, 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 I'll tell you. Tell Reverend Michael what you should preach. You should also say something. I'll say something. Our church is going down. Meanwhile, you see this crowd. Say, can you please stand up? Can you please stand up? You see this crowd? You see this number? Here. You see the people upstairs? Come, please. You see the people outside here? Here. On Sunday, I filled this place two times. Two times. Four. Full upstairs, downstairs. You have been here before? Yes. Even me. I feel that I'm failing the ministry. You have got 68 members. You, you, we cannot call you for a conference. The same chairs. The only difference is that these ones, we want to hire them. Because men of God were coming. And I can't put a man of God like you on the plastic. Even if, if, if some of you, your weight will break the plastic chair. So I have to get the real metal chairs. Yeah. After Friday, they are going back. If you come here on Sunday, you see plastic chairs. Cool here. Full, full, full times two. That is two services. Then another service. Which is not full. One pastor was asked about the attendance of his church. I'm talking about cool down. Humble yourself. You are nothing. He was asked. He was asked, what is the size of your church? A pastor went to his church. They were inside the church. Like here behind there is my office block. They were sitting in the office block. And he asked the pastor, on Sunday, how many come? So, he asked, how many services do you have? So, we have one service on Sunday. So, wow. So, roughly how many come? So, 14,000. Wow. And the pastor was shocked. So, as they were talking, so, oh, Charlie, make we go the hall. Make we go count the, the chest where did the, uh, the, the, the room inside. I don't want to mention the name. Okay. The headquarters of one of the major ministries in, in the system. When they went and counted, down was thousand chairs, and there was some small place somewhere in the church which had two hundred chairs, and those chairs are not filled on Sunday, so roughly let's say thousand one hundred or thousand and twenty or thousand and fifty. But when he was asked, this is madness from megalomania. He said fourteen thousand. Obviously, that's what Reverend Michael said. He said those who come as rich. You go empty. Already, you've got 14,000. What, what, what notes will you write? I said, you've got 14,000. Why should you come and listen to a pastor who, who doesn't even have 3,000 members in the church? <laughs> you have 14,000. 
not knowing that even half of my one service is bigger than your headquarter, headquarter, headquarter. But we come up with big, big titles and big, big statistics and big. I've got, the, I've written this and I've done this and I've gone here and I've, I was a bit of this and a bit of that. You are toilets. You are toilets. Today, be cool. All of us, you with a big church, me with a small church, let's be cool. Look, the only people God will make great, great shepherds, great lights, are humble, cool, unassuming, very, very flowing, very leadable. Flow. Be cool. Clap your hands, let's welcome Bishop in Tefal. You will see something today. Tell your neighbor, are you are you humble or you are a man of God? Look, we have, look, look, please sit down. You must travel. You must travel. Step out of your church. I will invite some of you on Sunday. Come here. Here, come. We are struggling here. But come, you will see. At least there is something that you can see. Even though we are struggling, we, 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 we are nowhere. Come. Don't be in your corner with your 68 members and be big. And be a man. You are, you are, you are so big. Your members don't even know you. Because you are like a prime minister in the church. They usher you in, they usher you out. Into a car you have bought with a loan, the bank is chasing you. And you are cursing the bank manager that if he calls you again. May the Lord grant us humility. Look, look, look. In a few years, eh, we'll know about you. We'll hear about you. Yes, news from you will spread. Something in your ministry, your church. God will develop an area of your church, your ministry. Look, no matter what it is, something will shine forth. I said, something will shine forth. I said, something will shine forth. May the Lord grant you the power to be humble and to obey. As you sit here, get ready. You are going to discover that there are things you never knew existed in ministry. Write it down and humbly follow them and obey them and God will bless you. Clap your hands for Jesus. Introduce yourself to your friend as a great light. Say, I'm a greater light. I'm, uh, say, keep watching me. Tell the person, you don't know about me. You don't know about me. But soon, you will hear about me. Yes, as a great shepherd. As a greater light. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands for Jesus. <laughs>